Hi guys, Editor Daniel here, just quickly jumping in to let you know that roughly between minutes 4 and 6, there is a slight audio mess up, um, you can hear a lot of computer noise and stuff like that. Rest assured, it is only for those 2 minutes, it goes away for the remaining hour and 25 minutes or whatever. Huge apologies about that, won't be happening again as I know how to ensure it doesn't happen in the future. Very sorry about that, however from both myself and Adam. We really hope you enjoy this one as it was a lot of fun, really interesting discussion and I hope you can get past that. As I say, it does stop from the sixth minute onwards and it only starts at the fourth minute. So those two minutes might be a bit rough, but apart from that, we hope you enjoy and I'll get back to Daniel and Adam properly. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, where we shall discuss very few events in the past week concerning Heart of Midlothian Football Club. And no guests this week after the success of previous podcasts, uh, but joining me, Adam Kennedy, as always, is my partner in crime, Daniel McIver. Mr. McIver, how are we this evening? I'm very well. What about yourself? Yeah, all good, mate. Excellent. Um, so even with less news, it, it doesn't come without some controversy. Um, <laughs> I think that is the biggest understatement of the time we've been doing this podcast. It, it may well be, but first of all, I, I wanted to touch on a returning player. Um, Ollie Lee, the son of Newcastle legend Rob, recently spoke to Hearts TV regarding his return to the club, um, obviously out on loan last season at, uh, at Gillingham. I just wanted to ask you, what did you make of the interview where he spoke to Hearts? Uh, it was... Um, I, I wanted to get a word there that I didn't expect to say, because I, I think a lot of people saw, oh, Ollie Lee's been chatting. That'll be cool. You'll kind of give quite cliche answers, kind of media trained. However, then Ollie Lee came out and just went, I'm saying what I want to say. So I found it very enlightening. Um, a lot of People will have obviously just seen the clip that was uh, posted on Hearts TV, uh, on the Hearts Twitter account. However, I watched the full, I think it was three and a half minute interview. And as I say, it was enlightening as you see players like, for example, Connor Washington, when he left the club speaking to, I think it was Barry Anderson at the Evening News, but he spoke to the Evening News saying that he feels Craig Levine should have been allowed to continue on and you see players like Uchi making statements going yeah listen it didn't work out however gutted about that I feel that under previous managers it would have maybe perhaps more than others you then get to Ollie Lee who without saying it in explicit terms makes it incredibly clear he is delighted Robbie Nielsen is the current manager of Heart of Midlothian, as he speaks about the fact that he thought he was done with Hearts, not from his own personal opinion. He was he said the quote of "I would want to play this club for as long as they want me." Uh, he was like he loves the club and everything like that. However, he was said that it was made very clear to him that he was not needed in the current plans, and he expected to be out the door this summer. However, Robbie gave him a phone call, and as soon as he heard that. He knew he wanted to be a part of it and then has also made it very clear that the training and the general atmosphere around the club is completely different to the last time he was here. Of course, he's got a few new faces and a lot of people who previously have been here are now no longer here. So he said himself, it's almost like coming into a brand new club. 
which is all very interesting. And then for me, the most important thing was the final question where Phil behind the camera goes, so Ollie, what are the expectations or the aims for the season? Of course, automatic promotion is the first one and Ollie cuts them off and goes, beat everybody in the league, in the cup. It doesn't matter who you are. We beat everybody. And that is, it's one of those things where you want that just put on a bit of paper or put up in front of everybody in the dressing room every single week, go and look. This is the attitude we need to have. And it's, if it hadn't already endeared them to the Hearts fans by hearing how well he's doing in training, as you mentioned there, we had a guest last week, Robert Borthwick, said that one of his sources said he was extremely impressed with the way Ollie Lee is training. And I think everybody was excited by that. But after that interview, I think a lot more Hearts fans are excited by the prospect of Ollie Lee coming back into the team. However, do you share that sentiment or are you apart? Because there are still Hearts fans. Um, who say no, Ollie Lee shouldn't be playing. However, what were your thoughts on the interview? I know that if, if I was in his shoes, obviously I don't know the, the ins and outs of the situation with Levine, but when a man that's brought you to the club deems you surplus to requirements, it, it kind of doesn't really sit well with me. Um, I've got to be honest, I know that he's still under contract, but it appears as though Robbie's really sold a vision of hearts to, to Ollie Lee. Because I think it would be easy for him to boost back down south obviously having spent that time on loan at Gillingham following a relegation and I got that same impression as you. I, I feel like he's genuinely pleased to be here. Um, on his day, I, I think he's one of our better players still. I know that folk will argue that that day doesn't really come often enough but I don't think we've got a similar central midfielder to him at the club. I sort of see him as a, a genuine box-to-box type who if, if we're being truthfully honest, I, I think he's come up big for the club when he when needed to. Um, we've obviously had that winner at Easter Road. The Cups kind of spring to mind as well. It's interesting that he touched on that in his interview because I think the League Cup quarter-final, that goal against Motherwell, I thought he was brilliant that night, but that goal against Motherwell, which was my favourite goal that season, obviously he grabs the third, then sets Nasey up for the fourth. Um, and I think he grabbed two assists in, in the Scottish Cup semi as well, the, the Inverness win. So I think what I'd like to see from him, um, particularly at, at championship level, is to be kind of, I don't know, a, a, a bit more a bit more Frank Lampard-esque. You touched on Haring and, and Kante, so it's interesting that we're making these Chelsea midfielders. But I'd like him to kind of arrive from deep to grab goals, and I don't see any reason why he can't do that. Um, in the championship, definitely. I mean, what are you expecting from Oli Lee this season? Oh, um, it's it's going to be interesting because, again, in that interview, he says that it, Phil actually mentions to him that both times he was here in these two seasons, he got six goals. And um, the question was asked to him, are you hoping to get that? And he actually said he wants to get double figures in terms of goals and assists. Uh, Will he get to that? I don't know. But what I'm expecting is quite similar to you. I quite like the idea of the Frank Lampard role. Because um, I do think... It, I think one of the issues that happened with Lee was the fact that his position was changed, not by his own decision. I feel that... as Actually, that's a perfect example. That mother will go that you spoke about, and that mother will game. It showed everything that was great about him because he's quite a box-to-box player. But he is, you can tell he's better going forward than he is defending. And I think... 100%. 100%. 
I think if he has he either, honestly, either Herring or Irving as a partner in the middle. Because as we've, I think I've seen every single podcast since we come back, so folk are going to be sick of hearing me say it. I watched him play a 4-2-3-1. So with that duo, it allows Lee to be the kind of bombastic pushing forward as either Herring or Irving can do the sit-in. And... If you had to ask me, if you ask me the question, what do you want to see from Lee this season? It's someone who can just get us goals if maybe a striker is missing or if a striker isn't having a good game or putting in set pieces because it was something like 70% of all his assists in that season were from set pieces. He's very good at them. And I genuinely feel that since he left and went out on Monty Gillingham or when his form kind of dipped, maybe that's a bit fairer to him because his form definitely did dip. Um, but when he's formed it, I feel that I can't remember the last time we actually scored from a set piece. I, I, I totally agree, mate. And it's funny. I, I think, I don't think he's afraid to get stuck in as we've touched on in a defensive sense. But obviously we had Rob on last week and he was on about rotation with kind of Walker and Naismith in a 10. I, I do see Lee as an eight. Yeah. But I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be totally against a trio of Irving and Haring sitting and Lee that little bit forward, if need be. I, I don't think, I don't think it's his best position, but on the same score, you can't tell me that he, he wouldn't be decent in that role. I, I, I really think he would be. Um, so I would be quite intrigued. Obviously, you touched on a 4-2-3-1, so we've got options if we go 4-3-3. I was just that about to say, I think he could work Arvind well. Lee and Haring would be, would be brilliant, I think. Yeah, because in a 4-3-3, it would allow him, he doesn't necessarily need to be a 10. He can just be a further lion centre mid and you can have Boyce as the striker and then Roberts and Ginelli off his wings. Yeah, totally totally see that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, he's another option and I, I think he's going to have a big season for us. I really do. Definitely. Um, another player who, let's face it, a lot of the fan base had written off, who has looked shit hot in pre-season, is uh, Mr. Craig Whiten. Um, are you prepared to, to swallow your, your words just yet? Because I know that I feel as though I might have to soon as well. Of course I am. He's going to be our top goal scorer, mate. Well... He's magic now. He's went bald. He's looking like Kojak. And he's quality now. Did you see his goal the day? No, I know. It, it, it's, it's upper echelon now. Right, I will, say, I will say, before folk jump on us, I'm not actually suggesting he'll be top goal scorer. Right? However, what, I will, say, what I will say is he's looking good. Obviously, yes, it's pre-season. And we can't sit here and in the same ilk say results don't matter in games and then simultaneously be like, but Craig White is scoring goals. But for a player who hasn't scored a competitive goal for Hearts at all, the fact that he's played two, scored two, and in training has been very consistent is objectively a positive. And I saw, obviously, this kind of all started this discussion around White because Nielsen said to the press that he trusts Whiten and is hoping he gets double figures. Now, I did a tiny wee bit of research. How many goals do you think Osman Sow 
who is regarded as a fantastic striker, especially in that league. He is like thought of as a legend for that one season. How many goals do you think Sol got? In the championship season? Yeah. Um, well, he, he spent a chunk of it injured, didn't he? He did. That, he does have that against him. So that's, that kind of takes away... Folk, folk assume that he'll be much more. And that's, that's probably the same as me. He'll be in double figures. He must be double figures. He Easy. is indeed in double figures. I've got number 12 in my head. Oh, he's got it in one! Uh, is it actually? It's how, 12. How many how many it's games? 12 in 26. Not bad. That's not a bad return. Not it's a bad not. Return. And I'm not being funny. White and went down to the championship, played and they both played like, scored like six and eight or something like that. I think Craig Whiting could get 12 goals in a season. I don't see why not. I mean, 26 games, we're obviously playing a 27 one. It's, it's just game time, isn't it? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's the whole rotation thing again. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think, I think the spell at Arbroath came at a brilliant time for Whiten. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that he's just got to get the monkey off his back, doesn't he, really? I think he will benefit the most from no fans being in grounds. Yeah, so die. That's a great point because everybody's so quick to jump on the bandwagon and slew. I mean, Hearts fans are some of the worst in the country for that. Rather than getting behind the team, we're the first to slate the team. So I think that's that's a great point. I, I, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there with the likes of... I, I'll say that Boyce would obviously be our top scorer. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Whiten was, was second or third fiddle to that. But like I say... It just really does depend on his, his game time. And this is what I mean. We don't want to... It, it is silly of us to be like, Whiten's now quality. And that's not what we're saying. We're being funny how it's like, oh, he's now going to be the best thing ever. All I'm saying, at least, at least personally, is that I'm willing to give every player currently at the club a complete clean slate ahead of this season. Because we're under a new manager, we're in a new league and new circumstances. So I'm not just going to stand here and be like, well, he's been rubbish before and just fly in the face of a good pre-season. Again, how much you want to read into pre-season is entirely up to you and on an individual level. But I'm not going to say that a guy having a good pre-season up front is bad. It can only be a positive because either... He stays as rubbish as everybody thinks he is, and then Hearts fans get to go, see, we were right, ha, ha, ha. Or we have a you with Sean Clare situation where you're not, you were never annoyed that Sean Clare kind of proved you wrong because it meant he was playing well. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, I think the Clare situation for me is, is the potential that he came with. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same for Whiten. I think it's... Craig Levine talked about potential with both of these, mm-hmm. but it, it hasn't materialized. Well, it did materialize for Sean Clare towards the end of his Hearts career, but it's not yet for Whiten at, at Hearts. So I don't know. I I, I just don't. I, I can remember on previous pods saying about young boys, this is a great opportunity for them to cement a place in the team. And I think it could be exactly that for Craig White. He must be encouraged now that Washington and Uche are both out the door. Surely that's got to chuck him up the pecking order. And if he's worked hard pre-season, looks in good shape. I was about to say, he's put on about three stone of muscle. 
yeah, I, I, I just hope he can reap the rewards. I, I'm not, I'm not going to write him off. I, I was previously really frustrated with him, but in the championship, we should be willing to give players a chance, a hundred percent. I'm telling you now, we're going to get abuse for this because we are going. Folk are going to say that we are now just fully on the Craig White and bandwagon when that isn't what we're saying. And I know some people won't listen to this, and some people will be like, "Is this fucking deluded?" That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is is that we are willing to give individuals chances in a fresh new league. If we get to 10 games in and Whiten has played every game and still hasn't scored, we're not going to stand here and just be like, listen, he's still quality, because that then flies in the face of everything we've seen. But just now, saying that he's just going to be absolutely rubbish is flying in the face of evidence that we currently have from pre-season, in my opinion. Yeah, bang on the money, mate. Fully agree. So, we've also got a departure to discuss um, and this one is by far, as previously touched on, the uh, the most controversial of the window in Bobby's Lamal. Now, Daniel, I want to gain your thoughts first of all, because you sent me a message when we do our usual discussion of what we're going to discuss, saying that you feel that you will have differing views to me. The floor is yours. Right. By differing views, I meant differing emotions. So... Friday night comes around and it is revealed that Jack Anik has tested positive for COVID-19. I cannot remember the name of the other St. Mirren goalkeeper. But uh, he, Dean, Dean Linus, I think is. Yes, he also tested positive for COVID-19. And the third St. Mirren goalkeeper was told to self-isolate as he is obviously goalkeeper union and all that kind of stuff. He's been around the two guys with COVID. So St. Mirren were in a situation where they were either going to have to play 40-year-old Jamie Langfield in goal, register an outfield player in goal, or, as what happened, was given an emergency loan for a week. Now, on Friday night, as I just touched on, the rumour started that St Mirren were going to be taking Bobby Zamal from Hartman Loading for seven days. I think most Hearts fans went, that's probably not going to happen. Then... Saturday morning, I think it was. I think it was like midday because obviously the Hibs game was a three o'clock kickoff. Can it, between 11 and 12, I believe it was. Sorry if that's wrong. The club sent out a tweet that was immediately, I just found, I found the tweet itself quite funny because it immediately was like an explanation. It wasn't the usual, uh, Bobby Zamal has left Hartman Lothian and that. It was, Robbie Nielsen explains why Bobby Zamal has left. And yeah, I found it, that it was funny. kind of an instant justification, wasn't it? Yeah, and I found that objectively funny. I was like, I laughed at that, and I was like, oh no, because I didn't, I couldn't see with the way my phone was, I couldn't see the amount of likes, retweets, and replies. So I laughed at that, and then you you scroll half an inch, and you see that. I think currently, as we record this on Monday night, there is around 600 comments on the Facebook page and around just under 400 on the Twitter post. And that isn't including like quote retweets and stuff like that. That's mental. It is. It is mental. It's now, mental that it's, it's gained more replies than like other reactions, pretty much. Yes. Yes. So this is the thing. I'm going to say this now. I know I am in the minority here. 
right? Oh, God. And by the minority, I mean the extreme minority. But I also want to say this. I'm going to put this out there as clean, as clear as I can. Does this anger me? Yes. Would I have done it? Of course not. Do I think it's a bad move? Absolutely. Do I think it's a bad PR move? Undoubtedly. Am I as angry as the majority of Hearts fans seem to be? No. And that's purely because I do not have the energy to do that. I am going to get more angry at things that personally I think deserve that anger. So this is the thing. And like, I know my dad's listening to this and this has been all our conversation over the weekend. I fully understand and support supporters' anger for this. Do not let, don't get it twisted and be like, I sympathize with blah, blah, blah. No, the only people I sympathize with are the fans in this situation. If, if you're absolutely livid, I fully understand why you're livid. If you're exasperated, I fully understand why you're exasperated. If you're in disbelief, I fully understand why you're in disbelief. Just personally, I am not as angry as everyone else. As I said, wouldn't have done it at all. But I'm not going to react in a way as if we, this was the same as us getting relegated. Like, yes, bailing St. Mirren out. Because my personal opinion is, and before I get into your thoughts, I will continue this, but I will ask you a question. Do you think the anger would have been as bad if we had just sent Bobby Zamal to St. Mirren as like a sign-in? or a loan signing just in the general transfer window, not under the pretense of that we seem to be bailing them out. So, so you're saying as a non-emergency signing? Yes. Um, I would probably... I'd probably pish my pants that St Mirren deemed him good enough to take him. Well, that, that's what I think Hearts fans would react as well. That I honest. think the general reaction that if we, if we sent anybody... Obviously, not like Boyce, Naismith, Gordon, Halkett, and players like that. I don't mean that. I just mean like a player who, for what we need to remember, much of the support has deemed not good enough in Bobby's Lamar. However, again, I'm not saying that is the same situation because it's not. It is the pretense that we bailed the club out who didn't help us. So, as I said on Twitter, fully fully support the anger, but I'm just not that angry because I, do, I have bigger things in my life to worry about Bobby Zamal going to St Mirren. Well, that's that's my notes out the window. How? <laughs> 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 no, um, I just... And I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted that we've decided to do business with St Mirren. Um, like you say, it's not the fact that we've let Bobby Zlamal go that's the bugbear because I am of that view that he's, he isn't good enough. That's just the bottom line as far as I'm concerned. But it's just, it's them. Like, this is a club whose CEO openly came out and said that we deserve to go down. Now, this is, now, this is the thing. This is the thing. Did he say that? So I listened to the Craig Fowler Terrace uh, podcast today. Fowler said the same thing as me. I believed, I may be totally wrong here, so please, if you do know this, correct me. I just thought it was the Ross County chairman who said that. I wasn't aware and have not actually seen that he said we deserved to go down, but I may be wrong. 
Well, I've just opened up the Edinburgh Evening News. Right. Hearts deserve to go down, claims St Mirren Chief Tony Fitzpatrick by Graham Bean. Wednesday the 20th of May 2020. Uh, St Mirren Chief Exec Tony Fitzpatrick claims Hearts deserve to go down and has cast doubt on their ability to turn things around, even if they had been allowed to play the final eight matches of the season. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Listen, that's what I mean. That's fair enough. I wasn't sure. I Because I just knew the headline of... Um, Take, we need to take our medicine and stuff like yeah. that. And I'd yeah, seen yeah. a lot of people attribute that to St Mirren, and I believe that to be wrong. However, I wasn't aware of that specific article, so that's totally fine. I just I wanted to air that because in case we got it wrong and we looked like no, idiots, no, that's fine. I, I mean, that's perfect. I I I thought I'd seen that. So before saying it, I obviously had to check it up again. But it's it's them trying to troll us last week with a heartbreaker tweet. And yeah. then they obviously delete that once engaging in business with us. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, I mean, I I was really angry. Hart should have just told Tony Fitzpatrick to ram a potential goalkeeper up his arse. Like, their help and sympathy was fucking non-existent when we needed it. So mm-hmm. I, ju- I just feel as though we've got to be a bit more ruthless. Well, um, this, is, this is the thing. I, I fully agree with that. As I said, I wanted to get your opinion on this. However, the main kind of point. What do you understand the rationale behind it from a football perspective? Even though you disagree, because I disagree with the rationale behind it as well. But I understand why, why we did gone. it. Yeah. No, I, I do. I do. But it's just, it's, it's funny. I, I've I've always considered football to. I, I kind of want football and business to be separate, but it is a business. I just don't get why. Like, Hearts are the first to chuck out the only Hearts propaganda. And I can recall the club being raging when, like you say, we were told to take our medicine. So why are we being bottle jobs and spineless all of a sudden to give in so easily? It's embarrassing. We were embarrassing enough on the park last season. Like, I don't get... Just don't engage in business with them. If they don't go keepers, then that's their fault. They can feel the full extent of COVID just as we have with our relegation. So, no, get it up them. I, well, I, I agree I with you. I rant there, but it, it, it infuriates me that we've done that. I agree that it now means that the only hearts motto kind of can't be used anymore. Um, listen, I'm not naive, and I don't think you're naive enough either. And I don't think the majority of hearts fans are naive enough to think that the club used that only hearts motto purely for emotional reasons. I think we know as adults that the club used that as a chance to kind of get supporters together and kind of all singing from the same hymn sheet and stuff like that i don't think it purely no. was a oh we'll do this to make hearts fans be like yeah siege mentality and stuff like that i, I personally i think there was definitely an aspect to that but i think another aspect of it was that it will help business which is a smart business move however from a pr perspective it's, I think the best way to sum it up is, in football terms, it's the biggest own goal we could have done. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And you're on about kind of the building bridges back up again. I think that's, I think that's bang on with the only hearts thing. It wasn't kind of a siege mentality. I think the club are kind of taking baby steps because they've been lucky with the fans as well, chucking their money in for season tickets and what have you. I mean, we'd, we don't even know if we're going to play, what, this calendar year? So... Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it was getting the, the fans back on side, but it's almost I don't want to say that they've 
undone all that with this Bobby's Lamal thing, but I think is, a lot of it has a, been it's undone. It's a real kick in the balls. I've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I, th- I think the interesting part of it is, however, so obviously we speak about them a lot, and they are kind enough to speak about us as well. Our friends at Scars Around the Funnel, they put out a tweet yesterday as we record this, so Sunday for those, if you listen and the day comes out, they put out a tweet going, dare we ask, what is the reaction? And I was very interested to see that, yes, of course, it was again, it was the day after, and we are recording this two days after. If we recorded this on Saturday night, I think you would be a lot more emotional, and I think I would be more emotional as well. Um, but obviously we've had 48 hours to rest in it, so you can't physically be that emotional about this. Um, however, it was interesting to me to see that, yes, there were a lot of replies saying they're absolutely furious still, but there were, a, I won't say a lot, but there were a decent amount of replies from each going, listen, I was really annoyed by it, however, we just need to move on, and or just going, I'm not that fast because it is. But if it was Craig Gordon, I think there'd be riots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right with the the kind of. I certainly would have been emotional because I'm I'm that I'm that character. I'm not gonna lie, and I think that's good. Though. That's why I love you. Would... Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, a, a couple babies down me would have been interesting after that with a with a wee rant. But, oh my uh, god, you'd be gone. You'd be coming into my flat with a maroon and white flag wrapped around you, ready to start a riot. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, this pod would be cancelled. Um, I think I think that the only I don't want to say the only positive we can take. Have you seen the highlights to the St Mirren head? I have. He didn't cover himself in glory, did he? Especially that first year. <laughs> oh my, and Kevin Nisbet's where it squeezes through him. Oh my goodness. I just I get the feeling that if they weren't playing Hibs and Celtic in the week, we wouldn't have loaned them out. I don't know if that's really pathetic of me. Well, no, I was it. I was actually going to raise that. Do you think there was an element of going? Well, there's a chance we could fuck over Hibs and Celtic here. That's what the fans will focus on. But it was just massively misjudged. Honestly, that was literally my first thought. I thought that is. 100% why we've done it and I, I I get I get that rivalry exists but that to me is the most tin pot mentality we could possibly have to try and shut out arguably our two most hated teams because let's be frank I, I, I can't obviously it's done now but I, I couldn't have seen St Mirren getting any points from Hibs at home and Celtic at home anyway Mm-hmm. So why could we not have just used this as an opportunity to get it up them? Now, I have where I'm coming from. Absolutely. And this is me playing devil's advocate, right? Before anybody jumps at me going, ah, Daniel's actually so-and-so and so-and-so. You were saying there, it's a 10-pot mentality. What do you make of the argument that, some Hearts fans, I would not say me, I would not say you, I would not say the majority of kind of vocal Hearts fans, I'd say a tiny minority, but a vocal minority, of Hearts fans who simultaneously go, why is it that St Mirren are trying to pretend we have this rivalry? Like, for God's sake, they're a tiny wee team. Like, aye, this thing's annoyed us, but we're still above them. And then we do business with them, and then it's suddenly, no, no to them. And it's like, well... St Mirren fans could then justifiably turn around and say, 
well, why not to us? if not because we've now started a rivalry. I'm not giving an opinion on that there. That's just my a devil's advocate argument because I saw many St Mirren fans make that point to Hart's Twitter account. I wanted to know your thoughts on it. It is a good point because I think... In terms of stature, there's no comparison. But this is the thing. I think... It's not just a heartbreaker tweet with the St Mirren and Hibs links. There's, I think there's more to it than that. You even look recently, I think the John McGinn link's a big one, or, and even Paul McGinn now. But I just, I feel as though it's not that they're trying to get Hibs on side. I don't know. St Mirren, St Mirren have never been keen on us. And I, I don't know why that is. I, I think partly because we blame them for, for 86. I know my dad well, Scott, even scarves around the funnel said that Scott Wilson calls them St. Lydown. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Dad's not being keen on St. Mirren as a result. I'm not keen on St. Mirren for that League Cup final defeat because that was a brilliant chance as far as I'm concerned for us to get that monkey off our backs. We subsequently obviously didn't. I don't know. See, this is the thing. I couldn't give a one. fuck about St. Mirren. No. I, will n- I couldn't give a shit. I understand why folk of... For example, our dad's age don't like St Mirren because of 86. I was not born for another 11 years, so that does not come into the equation for me personally. Yeah, that 2013 League Cup final, it's annoying, but I'm like, I kind of blame us more than I blame them because we were just rubbish on that day. And Isma. There's a part of me that blames Isma. However, I love him. I I like him. So I still blame him a wee bit. No, I don't. I don't don't, because of that. And I thought he was lazy whilst at us, but go, carry on. But I just, I don't care. Like all these, I think it's fu- it's funny to me personally seeing Hearts fans and St Mirren fans simultaneously from both sides going, "There is no rivalry." Ha ha ha! Would you go to laugh at you? And then those same individuals going, "But I still fucking hate you." And it's like I'm just sat here laughing because I'm like, nothing St Mirren do will ever. I, it will never matter to me. I don't care. Like, I'm, I have no thought about them. Like, the only reason I think about them all the time is because of this stuff with COVID and that. Like, if it wasn't for this, I'd be like, oh, I St. Mirren, they exist. They had Oren Kearney as the manager and he was absolutely shite. And then they've got Jim Goodman and he's absolutely shite. Like, and I've seen so many hard fans be like, I'm desperate for them to go down. And it's like, if they go down, they go down. I don't really care. This might sound controversial, but I, I, I would actually rather see Aki's go down. I think everybody really wants Aki's to yeah, go down. Because it's but, I mean, just I, defying belief how they're staying up oh, every year. God knows. It's, it's funny you touched on that 2013 Cup final as well, with, with the whole us thing. Because looking back, that was, that was crazy. Like, a, a team of teens, obviously, with Stevenson who bagged their brace... I think Gary Locke's kind of first game in charge, because he'd been ushered in, I think, had McGlynn got the boot, and then he... I believe so, yeah. I might be yeah. misremembering that, but I think so. So it's it's just a bonkers time. I mean, let, let them have their day, whatever. I mean, like you say, really, our main hatreds are Hibs, because they're there, Celtic, because they're largely annoying, Folk don't like Rangers. Folk don't like Aberdeen. Who gives a toss about St Mirren? I mean, 
I think we're underachievers, so Christ knows what that makes St Mirren. Yeah. Well, this is, and this, this is the thing, right? We will end, because we've been speaking about this for 25 minutes. We will move on, because we actually have a, a fun segment to finish off. But I will say, folk are now going to say, well, if you didn't give a fuck about the wives for 25 minutes speaking about them, it's because we had to. If we hadn't spoken about this, it would have been embarrassing from a Hearts fan podcast perspective. But I'd, from, I'd say, the official Perth to Paisley stance, if you might disagree with this, so tell me if you disagree with this. No, is, go on. We fully understand and support the anger directed at the decision. We fully understand and support the disbelief at the decision. However, we don't think it's the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, at, at, at risk of looking a right hypocrite and as the, the brand <laughs> founder, I, I, I fully back that statement. Well, yeah, well, you, you, you have to sign off on all statements because I just joined this. You started <laughs> and everything. So it, you need to give the final word. So if you think that's all bollocks what I just said, Get me tell. No, I'm, I'm scribbling up my signature as we speak. <laughs> right, so, obviously, you, you briefly mentioned it there in that St. Mirren segment, but I do want to end it on a more positive note. So, you mentioned Scarves Around the Funnel. I, I thought their latest episode with, with Mark and Laurie was brilliant, and they were pitched an idea from a Twitter user uh, from at Pants Chaton. Quite frankly, the best Twitter handle I have ever seen. He follows um, me and he, he's, he interacts with my tweets a lot. He's pretty sound. Yeah, and uh, the original tweet that came from Pant Chaton was players who barely played for Hearts but you love. So that was the only criteria. Uh, and his two choices were Lee Miller and Craig Beatty. So I thought in our lifetimes that we would try to make an 11 containing players in our period supporting Hearts. Um, so before we get into it, I've tried to keep it less than 50. <laughs> appearances. I know that's not the case for you. Um, he specified that in a later tweet because he ruled out Christian Nadi, Phil Stamp, and our mate Larry Kingston. Um, oh, two of, them, two of them were going to be in my side. <laughs> so, friend of the show, Big Larry. Um, but have you, have you got your team? I, I think... I do. Let's, let's hear yours first because I, I've got mine and obviously... No, wait, I, no, I wait. I've got a better idea. idea to say it, so I've got a better idea. Alright, go on then. We go by position. Right, okay. So we're just going, well, what formation have you gone? Because I've got a bog standard 4-4-2. So have I. Perfect. Right, excellent. Okay. So you, you can start with your keeper. <laughs> right. This is one of two players that have played, it's fair to say, a considerable amount of games for oh, our Oh, no. It's not Craig Gordon. <laughs> That's who I thought it was. <laughs> it's not Craig Gordon. But this is a man who I still think in my lifetime is up there in the top three keepers I've seen. Maybe. Go on. It, it depends. Marion Kell. Great shout. I know he played 80 games for us, right? But he, that, was, he was upper echelon. That's a, lot, that's a lot of games for a side that's meant to be barely played. However, I... I don't know what it was, but I just really remember Kello kind of being the first goalkeeper that I really paid attention to. Obviously, there's Gordon, right? And obviously, Gordon is like, well, he's Craig Gordon. But, a, a god amongst men. Yeah, 
But Gordon leaves, and we need somebody else. And Kello comes in. I don't think he came in immediately. I might be wrong there, though. I don't no, think, I think it, he did. I think it was though. a couple of years down the line. I think that's right. Yeah, but yeah, but basically, whoever came in in that interim period did nothing to cement themselves in my eyes, clearly, because I can't remind who it was. But Kell just came in and he was... It's weird. I think I'm a mix of Gordon and Antinemi in the sense of Gordon, obviously, really good shot stopper, not as good with his feet. Antinemi, great shot stopper, but I also feel he could actually do stuff with his feet. And I just remember Kell kind of being a good combination of them both. The one game I remember, we played Motherwell at home, and Kell got an assist, and he just played a 60-yarder to whoever was on the wing at the time. And I just remember being like, that's like one of the best passes I've ever seen. And it's come from the keeper. And he just shrugged it off. He, just, he was just like, well, that's a goal kick. And it's for that, and I just loved him. And I hated the way he was treated when he, he was forced out of the club. And... Oh, for fuck's sake, we're still speaking about St Mirren. Because <laughs> he rocked up at St Mirren and I was like, oh, he's not playing for us anymore. But he was rubbish for St Mirren. So that makes me happy. The, the, the only thing with Kelo really was, I don't remember him being particularly tall, was he? No, he was He was five foot really? ten. Yeah, so, but no, I, I, that's, that's a brilliant point. It's, he, he, was, he was top, top keeper. Ryan Stevenson spoke about it, actually. On, on open goal and he said that when he moved down to Ipswich they were, in, they were having a kind of conversation about Kello and that was the thing that turned them off was his, was his lack of height because he, he, wasn't, he wasn't tall I didn't think he was as tall as even 5'10 I just remember him being really wee he might be, uh, hold but, on you say who yours is I'm going to double check how tall he is because I feel I remember seeing earlier today when I was doing this 5'10 but, uh, but I may be wrong but no Mary and Kello was, was top tier as was a man who I can't believe he only played thirty-six games for Hearts in goal. A uh, top keeper. I've gone John McLaughlin, who I've spoken about previously on the podcast as well. Um, Why well, didn't I think? I th- I just assumed he had played more. I, honestly, I mean, he definitely hadn't fucking played more than Kello. So why am I, I saying that? I, I've taken all my info from London Hearts, and they claim that he's made thirty-six appearances. I thought it was way more than that. Um, in fairness, that that. Oh God, saying it actually well, sounds about right. Does sound right. But uh, yeah, like I say, I, I think I think Hearts kind of put him on the Scotland stage first of all. He's obviously then performing well at Sunderland, and as I've stated on previous pods, doesn't look out of place at Rangers. But yeah, thirty-six games was a weird one. I've got I've got to say, with my eleven, I'm surprised by how many are that recent. Um, and obviously, like I say, I've taken all my info from London Hearts, who are. A tremendous site. Um, so make sure you check them out if you get the chance. They've not paid me to say that. I'm just a big fan, and obviously it was a it was a massive tool for helping do the research. So yeah, John McLaughlin was the last goalkeeper we had that was good before Craig Gordon came in. Yeah, yeah, to- totally agree. And I, I think I've I've no doubts that the club tried to keep him. But when I, when Sunderland come in, it's yeah. it's hard. It's more money. It's a massive club, and now he's obviously at Rangers as well. So yeah, it's it's sad. But I I did love John McLaughlin. I thought he was top tier, definitely. Yep. So on to the back four. Your right back. Who is at right back? Right. This is the big one that I hinted at before we started recording. 
one appearance. One. One appearance. This is going to do my boxing because I guessed Tony Civic was the one appearance, but I really want to know who it is. He was, I want to get the year he played because there's a reason I love him. It's not for what he did as a Hearts player, obviously, because he played once, <laughs> right? Unless he had a man of the match hat trick of goals and assists, there is absolutely no chance he was doing anything for the club. But the reason I love him is because he has played for, are you ready for this? Go on. 16 football clubs. Jesus, a real journeyman. Yes, and he's still playing. He is 35. One appearance, and he's 35. Do you want, do you want it? one last clue? Go for it. We signed him through Benfica. Benfica. Oh. Did he arrive the same time as Aguiar? Yes, he did, 2006. Oh, what's his name? Was that, is it a Pereira? Somebody Pereira? It's not, but he is Portuguese. Oh, what's the boy's name? Do you want me to put you out of your misery? Yeah, please. Big Tiago Costa. Tiago Costa, Jesus. Played a solid one game for Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Um, I don't know why. I don't have any memories of him. I'll be honest. However, you cannot not put a guy in who played one game for the club after coming from Benfica, then went on to Vitoria, Viren, Varzim, Vizela, Politecna Timsoria, Estoril, Rio Ave, where again he played one game, Leoxes, Olympiacos, where he again played one game, Hapol del Aviv, where he played two games, Doxa, where he played three games. This is as recent as 2014. Academy Visu, who he played his most amount of games for his, in his career, 50. And his last club was Mafra. That is absolutely bonkers. Why on earth do you love him? Because that, to me, just screams that he's stealing a living. Because what a career. He's, played a to- he's been playing football since 1994 in his youth career, right? But from 2004, he started professional, like, first team. And he's played a combined 150 games in 14 years. Jesus, wet. How can you know of that? <laughs> Jesus, that's bonkers. That's incredible, is what it is. Your right back is no beating that. He's not, particularly because he's not a right back. I've just ushered him in at right back. Brilliant. Um, but he is, he is a cult hero. And I've, I've gone for the man, the myth, the legend, the Jambo soldier. Oh, I was going to have him in, and I couldn't he's fit him right, in. He's in at right back because I'm delighted with my centre-half duel. Um, You're going to hate my centre-half duel. <laughs> except that he's not everyone's cup of tea, Big Cleave, but got the club, what it means to people. Obviously, nearly nicked a derby winner. And I just think the stuff regarding his contract as soon as COVID hit, what an absolute gent, a real hearts man. And I think he's surprised himself by how much he loved the club. Um, 36 games, same as McLaughlin, which was quite intriguing, I thought. Um, One goal, and you'll never guess who it's against. (laughs) It's against St. Mary. And a one-all draw at (laughs) Tiny. 
Right, enough about the Tim Pot team. Who are your centre-halves? Right, do you want to hear... So we'll, I want to do one centre-half each because... Right, one by one, okay. Yeah, okay. Do, you, do you want to hear the one that's really obvious and we'll just breeze past and then build to the one you'll be furious at? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. So the one that's really obvious is Jimmy Dunn. Excellent, because I've got Jimmy Dunn as well. Right, cool. <laughs> I Again. think we have spoken about him more than yeah. any other player on this podcast. Jimmy, listen, if you're listening, you know what to do. Get yourself back up that road. Come on. Um, yeah, obviously we've spoken about him at length. A, a total hard man. And you could argue that he's actually played the best football of his career at Hearts. Um, yeah. I Obviously, like I say, got the stats from London Hearts. 14, 14 games and two goals isn't too bad a return either so yeah. not bad not bad <sighs> dare I ask who the other centre half is right this is a man who clocks in 135 <laughs> oh fuck I, know. I think I know who it is go on Just it's it no one recent go on I'll give you a clue I think if I'm not mistaken he mm-hmm. is only one of two individuals from this nation to have ever played for us. Oof. Jesus. This is a man who forever will probably be in my all-time favourite Hearts team. For no reason. 135 games? Yes. And a half. An obscure nation. It's not obscure. It's just that it's fucking massive. Yeah. But it's that it doesn't. It's not known for its football. It's known for other sports. However, he was in the team for my first ever game at Hearts. He was oh, I in know who it is. the team for my first ever season. I love him. He pieces again. We're speaking about players who got the best football. He got his best football when he was with us, and it's big. Guess? Yeah, Patrick is normal. No, he was in it, but I took oh. him out for Jimmy Dunn. Who? It, Who's the other centre half? Kevin McKenna. Oh, God's sake. I should have known that with the, <laughs> with the obscure nation. Who's the other player? Godinho. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah. I can't, I can't think of any other. No, it's Zanata. Dario Zanata. <gasps> Dario Zanata, you're right. Uh, any other Canadians off the top of my head? Surely no. Uh, Maybe before our time there was. There's bound, to be, there's bound to be one or two that have sprung up in our lives somewhere. I don't know, but carry on. But I just, I just loved Kev McKenna because he was never a footballer. Like he just didn't look like a football player because he was always beside. Again, I'm speaking about him again. Folk are going to hate me this podcast, by the way. But him and Elvis as a centre half pairing, Elvis at least looked like a football player, right? Tall, long hair, big beard, muscly guy, and you're like, that's a centre half. Then Kevin McKenna was beside him, and he just looked lost. Well. That's that, that's interesting. That's a that's a, a great shout. 135 games. Yeah. I can't believe that. I don't know if that's including friendlies. That's mental. I, th- oh. I mean, obviously that that is old school for us. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably loads of older jambos that are like. What are you talking about old school? I can remember Kim McKenna like the back of my hand. But genuinely, that's that's crazy. Yeah. What, one, one obscure but brilliant choice, I have to say. It, I mean, um, he doesn't, he shouldn't be eligible for this team. No, 
which is what makes <laughs> it kind of uh, obscure. But I mean, a player, to be fair. I mean, he is obscure. You couldn't even mind who he fucking was. No, well, that's true. As, as soon as you said the the nation thing, that just threw me off. I'm not, I'm not thinking about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is funny, though, because my centre half, you obviously briefly touched on the snake. I've got another one of his partners as my other centre half. Is it Boozy? No, I was very close to putting Ishmael Boozy because I was also close to Celtic alone. Yeah. But I left Boozy out because I think he's over 50 appearances. I think. Don't quote me on that. But no, he I, was soon, because he was as, at 67. Yeah. Well, as, as soon as I saw this other person, I thought, super, because he was one of my eldest, uh, one of my yeah, earliest hearts defender memories i can't believe he's played less than 50 games do you know who it is is he brazilian he's not no i have no idea part of the legendary 06 team oh is it ibrahim tal a mad vlad signing that george burley didn't even want big ibrahim tal i was also going for him (laughs) what a player rock solid formed a great partnership with the snake and yeah, I'd, I'd, I don't think Ibrahim Tal gets the credit he deserves, in my opinion, because there was a spell where he just wasn't playing at all and then ended up with 48 appearances. He scored for Hearts in the Champions League. <laughs> there, there's a bit of random trivia for you. Against Siroki Brieg, which I think was that... Oh, I think it was Athens' third qualifying round. Athens was and, third. And was Brieg before? Was that, se- was that second or Oh God, I, I can't mind. I don't know, but yeah, I, I obviously forty-eight appearances and five goals, one of which came in the Champions League, and actually won a trophy with us. So Big Ibrahim Tal has to be in there. I was, in fairness, I was going to put him in. That's, but, I mean, that would have been an absolute corker for the less than fifty appearances thing. But you just thought, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> I'm just using. Go this a guy who's played triple the appearances. <laughs> Over double, nearly treble his appearances. <laughs> but you thought, nah, fuck it. Oh, God. Who right. have you got to complete your back four? Right, you're, everybody's going to hate this. Oh, God. Because I seem to be one of the three fans that thought he was good. Go on. It's another recent one. Oh, I've got a recent one. Go on. It's in the Cathro years. That's right. throwing you. He isn't a left-back because we've had fuck all in terms of left-backs in my life who's obscure. I was going to say, but go on. So he's a right-back, and I liked him. Folk didn't he? I oh, kind of no. did actually fall in love with him. Is he currently playing in the Premiership? No. It's no Demi Mitchell. No, as in the Scottish Premiership. Oh, no. Because I had Connor Randall in my head. No. Fuck off. No. <laughs> it's Andrad Struner. He wasn't too bad, to be fair. I, I, I just thought we, I thought we recruited a lot worse. Yeah, I just, I thought he was solid. I mean, he didn't do yeah. anything amazing, but he never, I never remember him being like a direct fault for goals. And in that team he played in, you can probably pick every other player who was at some point. Yeah, no, he was decent. I, I, I can remember. It's funny, for, for Jambos of a particular age like us, 
there was that kind of thing where he was obviously one of the free agents on FIFA career mode. Yeah. And we found it quite funny that we'd picked him up. <laughs> um, but no, he, he was all right. He wasn't too bad. I liked him. But I don't know I don't know what you're going to think about this life. Can I just say, by the way, I know Demi Mitchell doesn't play in the Premier anymore. He's now at Blackpool, but just before anybody sees it anyway. I have gone for, because obviously we touched on the left-back being the problem position for us, mm-hmm. someone that's worked with Robbie before, the first time round, in the, the 14-15 championship winning team, who I thought was generally solid. I think the club wished him a happy birthday the other day, actually. I know who it is. 27 appearances, two goals. 27 appearances? Yeah, Adam Eckersley is the man. Twenty-seven appearances. Yeah, I couldn't believe that either. But then it makes sense because he pretty much had that championship season and then was discarded. I actually thought that was very harsh because I understand that he might have had to move on as he maybe wasn't sufficient quality for the top tier. But he was he was a reason as to why we got there. I thought that was really harsh, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think that season of the two goals he scored against Queen of the South at home. I remember that, mm-hmm. but I think. The goal that gets overlooked was his winner at Aloha because I was that just about to say the Aloha goal. Yeah, because that kept you know the the momentum alive, and because th- it came really late on, didn't it? In the last, it was like the, it was like the eighty fourth minute or something. Yeah, so I think that winner gets overlooked uh, definitely for me in, in terms of importance that season. And yeah, pretty solid. So, so go run us through your back four again. So we've got the one man. Journeyman, Thiago Costa, right back. A centre-half partnership of Jimmy Dunn and Kevin McKenna. And playing out of position, left back, Andras Struner. Right, and I've gone for Congo Cleave filling in at right back with Big Ibrahim Tal and Jimmy Dunn at centre-half and Adam Eckersley at left back. So I've got combined... This is really interesting because I want to see if it's up there with Kevin McKenna's appearances. (laughs) I've got 48... 27, 75 plus 14, 89 plus 36 is 125. 125 that's, games. That's 12 less. Players. <laughs> than you're Kevin McKenna. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so on to midfield. We've obviously opted for, for midfield fours. Mm-hmm. I've just realised that all four of mine are Craig Levine signings in this second spell, which is quite bizarre but I think it's I think it's all right to be honest G- given given the lack of games I'm pretty pleased with it but who's who starts for you on the right on the right he's playing massively out of position I think he would be terrible in this position but it's another man who has played one game for us I'm pretty impressed I've got two players in who can who played one game oh no he can didn't I just he? say he didn't can play I just one say game. One of which was a gift from me because it was a guess. <laughs> it is so I know man. who this is. Yeah, he didn't play because he played against St. Johnston as well for a half. So he played two, technically. But it's Toby Sibick. Say no more. Gut- gutted we couldn't have seen more of him, to be honest. Fucking glandular fever is a bastard. <laughs> Furious. I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, he, he was phenomenal against Rangers in that in that win. Um, he is like a cult hero because of that one game. Yeah. 
<laughs> Certainly more than cost does. <laughs> uh, a decade, mate. Pretty similar <laughs> levels. Right, who have you got on the right? I've also got somebody that's out of position. Who, well, I say out of position. They are a winger. It's just they probably would operate on the left-hand side. <gasps> I wonder if it's who I've got at left as well. Go on. No, you say who it is, not who. Well, there's <laughs> there's different, um, I don't know, pronunciations that I've heard. But I've always called him Big Davy Milinkovic. Is I've got him yeah, in the left, got Yes, love that. Um, I've I've got him on the right because I think he could do a job there. But I just something about David Milinkovic. I just thought he was so cool. I loved his his relentless pressing. I thought he was a real grafter rather than a kind of no tracky backy winger. Um, and I actually thought that a kind of front three of him, Naismith, and Lafferty was pretty fun to watch. I don't know about you. Thought he was really cool. I, I did think he was cool. He's just a <laughs> handsome guy. Just you know, he's he's of that pinea ilk that, that the boys spoke about. Just I'm not yeah, trying to say you're not wrong. I just love that the first thing you said to Bill was like how a five year old says, Why Superman your favourite so superhero? Cool. He's so cool. No, he was. He was a slick guy and I, I to be honest. I don't know whether the club could have done more of a trying to convince him because I think I think he appreciated his time at Hearts. I don't know whether he'd have wanted to have turned it into a permanent ordeal. But again, man, you, you just look at the trajectory of his career since. The Hull move was an absolute shocker. Mm-hmm. And now he's over in, uh, in, well, God's country, Canada. Is he not playing for the Whitecaps? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, I got the stats from, from London Hearts, which, again, a decent return. I know two of them came in this, that same game, but six goals in 26 isn't too bad for a wide player in my eyes. But and the fact that he was the arguably man of the match in that game says everything. Yeah, I mean, honestly, unbelievable. That that day was just oh, the best league game I've ever been at, 100%. Mm-hmm. And he's just... He was just a don. I really, I really, I was gutted when we didn't take up the the option to sign Milinkovic. I've got to be honest. Well, but, who have you got yeah. on the left? If I've also, so we've already done my left as well. So we'll do your left and all. Right. Okay. Well, it was a man that you touched on er- earlier, and a great pickup for us first time around. Much better as a wing back or a full back. But I've chucked him in as a winger because needs must. I was, I was struggling at this point. But I, I have gone Demi Mitchell. Um, Burst onto the heart scene with a, a man of the match performance against Hibbs. Scored his first senior goal the following cup round against St Johnston. Um, but that second spell, man, he came back with, I think he called it unfinished business, didn't he? But pretty underwhelming. But I, I loved Demi Mitchell the first time around. Uh, as a wing back, full back, whatever, thought he was brilliant. And when you burst onto the scene, Bear in mind the lack of senior action that you've got with a man of the match performance against Hibbs. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was brilliant. What about you? I think, um, I think that first season is, is incredible. Like, as you say, the St. Johnson goal got go of the season for us. Um, it was incredible. He just he seemed to be one of the players. I think a lot of Hearts fans are hoping that uh, Josh Janelli will be the same as we've seen yeah. in pre-season. That it was just a player who came up here and was like, I'm fast and can take players on. And he actually did it. And it was like, oh, 
And in fairness, Anne Milinkovic was like that, I know. Um, but for me, for me, I didn't. I thought about him, and I do. To, I totally get why he is in your side, but it, for me, that second season was so underwhelming. I can't say I love him because I was no, so annoyed by him. That's understandable, but. Uh... Again, I'm probably going down the nostalgic route because of how good he was the first time around. Mm-hmm. And it would have been hard to match that. So, again, totally understand why you've left him out. It is what it is. We're bound to have disagreements in this team anyway. So, yeah. it's not like it matters. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is going to be 11 v 11 next week. <laughs> Some bounce game. <laughs> right. Centre mid partnership. Who's your first? Sentiment partnership. Well, I've just given Demi Mitchell. So, do you want to go? You want to go first? Oh, of course you did. Sorry. Um, right, I'll go again. I'll get the least popular one out of the way. Right, well, I'll do the same then. This is this is me making a claim here. I think oh. one of the most underappreciated players of my lifetime. Wow, it's a big claim. At least a six and a half to a seven every week. Yes, he wasn't the most creative. Yes, he wasn't the most exciting to watch. But he was tough tackling, fantastic passer, did the job, and then he left us and went to play with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So he can't have been that bad. I've got Captain America, Perry Kitchen. He was in my thoughts, mate. I'm not going to lie. He was in my thoughts. And the only reason why I didn't is because I've got somebody with, with less appearances who sort of fitted that bill that you were talking about with tough tackling, probably a better passer than, than most Hearts fans will acknowledge. But give us give us your thoughts regarding the, the kitchen selection. Well this well this is the issue. I've basically went like for like in my sentiment. So there's no creativity in my sentiment partnership. But with kitchen I, just, I literally just I can't remember I'm ever having a bad game. I can remember I'm having a couple of really good games. But what I mainly remember from him was just consistency. I was whenever he was in the ball, I was never worried. A lot of fans accused him of back passing a lot, but I never remember him misplacing passes where loads of players would do. Loads of players would get us into trouble. I remember him cleaning up almost everything that came his way, and I genuinely do think he got a lot of stick that was undeserved. Obviously, he was, as I say, he wasn't the most electric light-up player. But my argument is, as we got into the argument, well, not the argument, the point I made a couple of weeks ago about hearing, where you were like, he doesn't score enough, where my argument was, that's not his job. That's my argument also with Kitchen. Like, you don't rely on a Perry Kitchen to be hitting your 30-yarders in terms of goals and passes. You, you rely on him, be in the middle of the park, dictate the game, slow it down when it needs to, and just have a calm head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I know that's not Haring's role. Can I just say? I just it was, it was, it, it was, it was regarding their influence because I, I, I couldn't see how a defensive mid could be more influential than a, a ten slash striker. Listen, but obviously, listen, I've, listen. I've had to eat humble pie because Rob's come on and slewed me for it. So yeah, listen. I understand how a less, have, I understand so. how a lesser football in mind wouldn't see it, right? I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so who have you got? It's funny because it's... <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's somebody of that kind of same ilk. Right? And, and you know me. You know that I love my screwballs. Yeah. See, if you say Cholice, I'm going to knock you 
No, no, I hadn't thought of him, but I thought he's an unpopular choice. But then again, this might be another unpopular choice. Oh, no. I just loved him because I thought he was absolutely bonkers. 12 appearances, zero goals, because again, as I specified, he's not that type of player. I think he might be the only player from this nation to ever play for Hearts. (laughs) His last name is similar to my first name. Kennedy. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, no, his last name is similar to my first name. There's oh. one change of letter. Wait, he's my other senior mate! Wacky Madal. Yeah! You got him in? Yeah. <laughs> I loved Wacky Madal. Oh, his thighs! Thing. It was his thighs. He was mental, mate. He was mental. He, he could play. I thought he was a decent passer than most football. He was amazing! But no, I, I liked him. I, I, I love some chaos. I thought he brought in abundance. I think he's got a, just about a yellow card for every single appearance he made for us. Yeah, he had the biggest thighs I've ever seen in a human. I'm actually buzzing that you've chosen him. I thought you'd have hated Wacky Madame. No, he was like, oh, his first game, I was just like, I like you. Because he came on and in three minutes got booked. And I was like, oh, you're excited. <laughs> no, I, I yeah. Buzzing that we've both chosen him. Actually, no. Do you know the moment I knew I loved him? It was in that game. I can't even mind who we were playing. It was in that game, and he'd been on the park for about seven minutes or something. Obviously, as you say, only guy in his nation to play for the club has no reason to understand anything about the club or what we're about. The ball went out for throwing, and a ball boy had it, and he just turned to the ball boy and was like, give me that ball now. And I was like, I like you. Was that the, the Partick game? It might have been the Partick game, yeah. The 3-0? Yeah, I, I think it was. Brilliant that day, by the way. Yeah, no. Hey ho, couple couple similar choices. So, so obviously we've unintentionally revealed your midfield duo, your yeah. centre midfield duo. Do you want to know who my other centre midfielders? Go for it. I'm I'm genuinely astounded that this hadn't been mentioned on either. At least I don't think it was mentioned on Scars Around the Funnel, or that you've chosen them. Who? Five appearances. One Five appearances. One memorable goal. Absolute carnage in the Hamden stands. Ryan Edwards. Well, I was going to pick him. Were I you? was going to pick him. Again, we're oh, fucking speaking about St Mirren. Uh, oh, no. I, well, this is what I was going to say. Because he has, without a shadow of a doubt, the most bizarre... Yet, can I... Heartwarming, heart endearing. Yes. Obviously, that loan spell. We're not going to talk about that. That was just weird. But at the time, having picked him up from Thistle, I was, I was sort of pleasantly pleased. I, I thought he'd be a sufficient squad player. Um, mm-hmm. But then when you break it down, he, he probably should have been more than that. Um, gave us that great moment with the cup final goal against Celtic. I mean, that I don't crazy. think I've ever celebrated a goal like that in my life. Oh my, that is carnage. Um, did you see the, the video that was doing the rounds on Twitter? I think it's Celtic TV on, on YouTube. And they got a brilliant angle where it's behind, um, who was in goal that day? Was it Bain? Uh, no, because obviously that's the other end. It's Lamal's goal. And they show, the, they show us scoring and the fans behind the goal. And oh, oh my God. I have never seen anything like that in my life. Um, a little, a, a slight diversion, but I just want to say this. I wasn't sat with my dad 
in that neither, game. Neither was I. My dad was round the corner a bit. So I was right above the corner flag he goes to to celebrate, right? And I just remember going absolutely, like you almost couldn't hear anything because it was so loud and going metal. And then suddenly I just felt like arms around my shoulder and my dad had like ran all the way around the corner and just ended up with me. That goal, I I was in the corner that he ran over to and it was... Oh, we must have been so close to each other, by the way. Honestly, it was was bonkers. I I genuinely... I I wasn't at the game with my old man either, um, which... Looking back, I, I'm I'm gutted, but I mean he he he'd stop going, he'd stop going to games. He he was through <sighs> my hearts as far as I'm I was convinced. Um, but then I don't know. Like I say, the Scottish Cup finals of the of the three that we've seen in our lives, the only one uh, we lost four. with the old man. So the four. next one, Dad, we'll get tickets. I promise you that. Um, but I was with. I was with some of my best mates, um, one of whom I'm hoping to get on here eventually. Um, but yeah, just... Just for the record, I've seen four Scottish Cup finals. Thanks, mate. Uh, right, son. Just, it's, it's just a case of what, what could have been. Oh, so you have, because of 98. Yep. Whereas I was born the month after 98. But that's the best year ever for the old man. He'll say that. So, I mean, it, hearts ended their trophy drought and a month later he became a father for the first time with this piece of perfectness. So I that ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> right, before we start fighting each other, strikers. Up front, who have we got? Right. Do you want do you want both of mine or are we doing one and one again? Let's go one and one. We've been we've been consistent with it with a one and one. Right. I'm, I'll... I'm intrigued to see because I striker was an interesting one. I thought there was there was a couple. There's one in particular who I kind of wish I'd, I'd included. Interesting. But one of mine was in that original tweet from Pant Chaton because it was a fantastic choice. So well, you, you give us your two. Well, please don't my, be the same. Because my fu- my first one is in that tweet because I say actually I've no. Interestingly, the two goals I've probably celebrated most in my life in terms of being at were against Celtic in the Scottish Cup. <laughs> um, Big beats is in mine as well. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Do you know what? I, I was so close to leaving him out, and I was going to put one more in there, because I did love the big man. I was going to put Kevin Kyle. Hmm, interesting. One was a good uh, shout, yeah. actually. But, but beats, I mean, has there ever been a greater nine-game Hearts career than his? I don't think so when you look in the fact that in those nine games he got us to a cup final and beat Hibs. Mate, we beat Rangers at Ibrox in the league. I think oh, that's the did. last time we won in the top tier there as well. Yeah, so we, we beat did. Rangers at Ibrox in the league, Celtic in the cup semi thanks to his pen, Hibs at Tiny in the derby, and obviously the cup final we absolutely pumped them in the biggest game in both clubs' history. That's four of his nine appearances. Yeah, that's unbelievable. My personal favourite Hearts moment ever was his pen. Is, has there ever been a, def, a a bigger cult hero in our lives that you can think of? I, I honestly don't think so because I, apologies if I've told this story on the podcast before. I probably have. But that that moment, we get the penalty 
And listen, I'm hopeless with penalties, right? I can't what even teams that I have no skin in the game for, I hate watching penalties. So for that, I was a, I was Ian Black in the final because he steps up and I just turn around and then I wait until everybody goes mental and I turn around again facing the right way and the first thing I see is just the palest human being in the world running past the tr- the track doing the BA and just oh my god like even if he had done nothing else that moment alone gets him in this team yeah yeah because because of the history surrounding it I mean the the Celtic game if you look back I, I mean I've listened to various interviews and, and Craig Beatty's was brilliant but the game plan was literally perfect and to come out in the second half get bang on with the Scatchel goal which I can still remember being scored in front of me as well it just and then to get pegged back with the equaliser that was offside our penalty is harsh but will we take it absolutely and yeah just that moment to set up the first all Edinburgh final since 1896 just unbelievable genuinely scenes gets chucked around a lot but that was scenes I always remember because Gary Hooper scores their equaliser right and I just remember Looking back, obviously, like the replay, because I couldn't see it at the time, but Hooper, like, proper gives it to, like, McDonald and I think Black, who's walking past, or Barr, who's walking past. And it's like, you watch it back and you're like, we know what's about to happen to you. <laughs> and it makes it so much better that you're, oh, I know. like, being right up into them. And that's, that's the first kind of... <sighs> That equaliser was kind of the first taste of Hamden heartbreak for me. Mm-hmm. Because I just remember their fans going nuts and just thinking, e- even as a 13-year-old boy, as I was in the stands, I knew that had that gone to extra time or beyond, that was it. Yeah. And and we'd have blown it. And we'd, we'd have had to have begged Celtic to beat Hibs in the final. Yeah. But just even even at such a young age, it's, I mean, it's mad to think that's over a third of my life ago. <laughs> and it's just, it, 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 nothing will ever top that moment for me. Nothing at all. Hey, despise, never say never. Never say never. I despise Celtic enough as it is, but the history regarding that, like, I don't think that's talked about just the importance of that goal. I mean, well, that's what, that's what uh, Andy Driver said to me in his interview. He was like, obviously the 5-1 game is what everybody talks about, but in his opinion, that semi-final doesn't get spoken about enough. Oh, and I fully I, agree. I, I could not agree more. Uh, check out the interview, by the way, if you already haven't. Um, <laughs> what a but, fuck. But just, oh, it, it's, it's, it's indescribable. It's incredible. Incredible. I despise Celtic enough as it is, but to then set up a final against Hibs, which we then batter them in. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Right, do you want to know my the man who's up front with BT? I'm intrigued because you've ruled out Kevin Kyle. I have. Who who I'd who I'd thought about. So I I want to know. You you didn't say anything about Wanma. No, it's not Wanma. I get the feeling you've you've plumped for like a like an Abiola Dowda. No, for his one goal against Aberdeen. (laughs) 
Um, I, I didn't think Dowdo was that bad. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's Go getting... On. That is going to come back to bite you. That bit of audio there. I didn't think Dowdo was that bad. Listen, we've had many a worse striker than Abiola Dowdo. We have. We have. But know this, man. Because no, let, let, let me set the scene. It's January. It is January 2015. Oh, I know who it is. Osman So is in the injury room. And Hearts, Hearts need a striker to cement everything that's going on and just keep it ticking. He comes in. He gets the fastest hat trick in my lifetime as a Hearts fan and most people's lifetimes as a Hearts fan. I think in the club's history, is he not? I think it is. I think yeah. Willie Bald has had it. I think, as if I remember, that might be totally wrong. But he is. He contributes, obviously, as I said, to that 10-0. He plays 16 games, scores 17 goals. We've never had a striker with that type of return in terms and of games. never will. Yeah, exactly. And on the last day of the season, when we're 2-0 down in the 80th minute, the man who comes on that is literally a train, is the size of a train, comes on and scores twice. It's Gennaro Zifuk. What a player. What a player. What a choice. It's a great choice. He, Do you know he was, what? He was in contention for me, I've got to say. I but, love Kenny Anderson purely because he got Zifuk to us. Oh, God. Because Zifuk attributed the fact... That, no, wait. No, it's the other way around. Oh, maybe I should hate Zifuk as a result because Kenny Anderson said he came to the club because Zifuk came. I was going to say, I, I know of Mark De Vries' influence in Gennaro Zifuk, but... Yeah, it's the reverse. Kenny Anderson attributed Zifuk. If Mark De Vries tells me to jump off a bridge, I probably would. <laughs> yeah, Zifuk was just... I've, I literally have never seen a signing like it. Come in, spend four months at the club, score it more than every game you play as, and then leave and never be seen or heard from again. How, how did we not snap him up as a free agent by it's, because well, yeah, that's what I'm surprised at. I'm surprised we never signed him as a free agent. Because because of the sheer success of the first time round. I, I don't know. Maybe it's that, like that I leave Cowden, the memories alone. That that Cowden Beef game, I've got to be honest, that's that's a sensitive subject for me. That's that's on the <gasps> That's, that's also the, a sensitive subject for me as well. That's on the regret list. <gasps> that's the that's the only home game I missed that entire season. That's the so, only home game I went to that season. My dad took my sister. I, I, have, I have never been so angry in all my life at a Hearts win. And where I was, I was getting the updates on my phone. Well, I say the updates. I hadn't looked at it for a while. I turn it back on. It's 7-0 at the time. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is brilliant for the goal difference if that's what it comes down to. And then the notifications just start reeling off. Eight, nine. And I'm thinking, go on then, double figures. It comes through. And my dad and my sister, who I think has only ever been to a handful of games in her life, does not give a toss about football. She went to that match and it has haunted me and will haunt me for the rest of my days. I will say this. It, actually, think about it. It wasn't the, the only home game I went to that season. I went to quite a few. But it was, I hadn't been to a game in ages just due to stuff that was going on in my life. And I was like, right, I'm going to this. It should be an easy win. And it was another one of those situations where I wasn't sat with my dad and my brother. I was up, 
like I was right up the back of the Gorky. It was where I was actually, almost identically, where we beat Hibs in the relegation derby where Carrick and Billy King scored. Oh, what a day that was. And and I just remember just sitting going, wait, you just didn't know how to react. As well, and my my last memory from that game is we get the tenth and Nielsen telling everybody, don't celebrate, because it's just it's unfair. Like we get the goal and it's just kind of brought back, the ball's brought back. And then Patterson just runs and slides on his knees in front of the Gorgie, going fucking mental. Couple worldies in that game. Sam's Sam's was a worldie. I'll never tell him that, but it was an absolute worldie. Gomez is Penenka against his former oh. club. Oh, beautiful. Fantastic. But who is up front we beat to you? I'm delighted that we're moving on from that cow the beef game because that, that does haunt me. I did I did pump for Kevin Kyle in the end. I mean, I've spoken right. of my, my admiration for Big Kev previously. I think he speaks so passionately about his time at Hearts, um, whether it be on open goal or, or wherever else. But the only the only annoyance is just the fact that he was so injury prone. Um, yeah. The Derby winner against Tibbs won't be forgotten. That was that was brilliant on New Year and a decent record again. At t- ten goals in twenty two games was obviously the most notable being that Derby winner. Couple penalties in there, of course, but they've got to be scored. There's no guarantee that they go in. Yep. So, um, yeah, and I, I found it quite funny how I plumped for Kevin Kyle, who was then sort of replaced by Craig Beatty, but not really. Um, Kevin Kyle, for me, I, I I know we let him go prior to that 2012 Cup final, but for me, he should have that next time because he was he was a focal part of that team, and Beatty essentially became. Kevin Kyle from yeah. via obviously the the John Sutton disaster. So yeah, um, I mean it's it's not a very mobile top two. I'll say that much, but <laughs> but I'd like to think that there's neither is mine. So that's a combined what thirteen and thirty one. So it's not too bad. It's not bad. Um, but yeah, so what what can I say? Are we are we running through the teams again? Because yeah, go it's for it. Been, it's been a variation with a couple similarities, which has been quite interesting. Go through yours first, and I'll go through mine. Right, so the bog standard 4-4-2 of mine was John McLaughlin in goal, Deacon Mona and Eckersley at right back and left back, with Ibrahim Tal and Jimmy Dunn in the centre of defence. I've gone for Malinkovic on the right, Mitchell on the left, with Adal and Edwards, and up front, Kevin Kyle and Craig Beatty. I've also got a 4-4-2, and in goals, Marion Kello. Right back, the one game wonder, Thiago Costa. Left back, Andres Struna. Centre half partnership of Jimmy Dunn and Kevin McKenna. Centre mid partnership of Wacky Madeo and Perry Kitchen. Right mid, Toby Sibic. Left mid, David Milinkovic. And up top, Craig Beatty and Gennaro Zifuk. Not bad. Not bad teams. But the, the max appearances mine's 48. You've obviously touched on your, your McKenna disaster, but other than that, you've done pretty well. I have. That's not bad. That's not I have. bad. Um, obviously, Jambo's listening in. You're bound to have different opinions, players that we've not thought of, us, us two being a couple of numpties on this Hearts podcast. So let us know some suggestions and, and who you're, who you're going to chuck in. If you fancy putting an 11 up, feel free to send that to us and we'll, we'll retweet them and whatever. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting topic of conversation. And like I say, I thought that episode of Scars Around the Funnel was brilliant. Um, and there's definitely... There's a lot of, of kind of cult heroes that we, we could include. 
that obviously Hearts fans are insistent that we re-sign. I've guilty, I'm guilty of that a couple of times myself, but some of them are justified, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to what is officially, I believe, the longest episode of the Perth to podcast ever. Somehow, even though we had the least to talk about. <laughs> but that, that was a fun ending. Like, if you guys, as Adam just said, if you guys want us to do stuff like that again, just literally any suggestions, we'll take them on board and we'll try our hardest to get them done. We struggled a bit with that, but we got it done because we're professionals. So, if you did enjoy that, don't laugh at the fact that I said we're professionals. I can't help it. There's Half of us are professional, and it's not the one that's laughing. So, if you did enjoy it, please leave a review on your platform of choice. We currently have a five-star review average on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. So thank you very much yeah. for that. Um, it really helps with algorithms and stuff like that. If you did enjoy, please share it, like the tweet, share the tweet, and that tweet is at Perth to Paisley. Again, if you want to send us any questions or suggestions for segments, we are perthtopaisley at gmail.com. Adam, where can they get you individually on Twitter? I'm at Adam T. Kendall on Twitter. And I no, am... For that matter, sorry. Yes, no, go, no, listen, that's fine. Didn't it? Well to plug. Exactly, exactly. I am at, right. You did it once. (laughs) I was was trying to let it go casual. I'll just go yourself. Fantastic. Thank you for asking. I am at MacIver the Mark, and we'll see you all next week.